0: ain't going nowhere. Hashtag Boomer Sooner. That's right. Jaquay's Petaway telling us all, yeah, I know that there's been some recent changes on the OU staff, but I ain't going anywhere. I'm still committed. Four-star wide receiver is still here for a top eight class. Big news last night for OU because as we've been talking about this week, What will be the uh, recruiting ramifications of the resignation of Kale Gundy? I don't know. Immediately, maybe you could see a decommitment from Jaquais Petaway. But last night, he says, yeah, that's not going to be the case. And I'm on board. And Parker Thune, if Petaway would have committed, could OU have found another wide receiver in this 2023 class? I think so, yes. Could they have found another four-star wide receiver in this class? Sure, but I think he coming out publicly and saying, no, all is good, all is well, and not taking a whole lot of time to do it and saying that he's still committed, I think that in a way it keeps all of the massive momentum that you have right now in recruiting, which I think is massive. So, could you had another wide receiver? Sure. But to keep this momentum with that announcement I think is big time.
1: Agreed. Well, and it also makes our jobs a whole heck of a lot easier, right? Because no right? longer do we have to answer the question – Six times a day on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. What's going on with Jaquase Petaway? Now everybody knows he's sticking with Oklahoma. Cale Gundy or no Cale Gundy, Petaway's riding it out with the Sooners. So, yeah, big news there. Uh, OU
0: did drop to, what, the number 7 class because LSU got a four-star quarterback, Ricky Collins. Oh, thank the Lord.
1: Thank the Lord that Ricky Collins got away from Purdue because that kid was way too good to go to Purdue. Yeah,
0: well, LSU had struck out in a couple uh, Louisiana quarterbacks this cycle, but they get the uh, local kid, Ricky Collins. And and they're trying to act like it's not a plan B type of move, but you necessarily (laughs) – and and when I'm talking about LSU, I'm talking about guys that cover the team down there. Well, Ricky Collins was never a –
1: you know, he, he was never a backup option.
0: Oh, okay. I don't know if I necessarily believe yeah, that. Okay. It looks like he's a pretty good player. Yeah,
1: no, listen. Here's the thing. And I I was actually – i I've been having this conversation for over a year uh, with people down in SEC territory. Yes, Ricky Collins was the backup plan for LSU. He should not have been the backup plan for LSU because didn't take a rocket scientist to see that it wouldn't be all that hard to flip that kid from Purdue. And also, anybody that had watched the kid in any capacity knew – that he was way too good for Purdue. I, I, I And I've said it for months on this show, Tyler. I think he's the second-best quarterback in the state of Louisiana behind not Arch Manning, but Eli Holstein. I think he's better than Man. Arch
0: Manning. Dang. Arch, not even the second-best quarterback in the state of Louisiana, according to Parker Third. Is he the, th- the third-best quarterback in the state sure, of Louisiana? Sure, he is. Well, I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least he has that. Texas has that. They got another commitment. We'll tell you about that as they continue to roll in the 2023 class. But, hey, I I think the big story today is, you know, not only Jaquais Petaway, but what we heard last night from Brent Venables about LaDamian Washington. And we had TJ Moe, former uh, Mizzou wide receiver great on the show yesterday. I'll kind of relay what he had to say here in a few minutes, but – It's hard not to – and in no way is this disrespect to Kel Gundy, but it's hard not to be really excited about what L.D. Washington is going to do with this opportunity. Losing both parents before he even got to high school, Shreveport kid going into a – Interesting situation in Columbia, didn't know a whole lot of people, had trust issues at first, but once he broke that, he really broke out, became a great player, and became a great team captain. Like Parker, how I think this projects for him is all on field. Uh, it, it's all on field. Uh, he, he does not have a lot of experience, really any any experience at all, as an on-the-field coach at the college football level. But I feel like in the world of recruiting – his unique story is going to create an incredible ability to relate to a lot of these kids. I don't, I'm really not that concerned with his ability to recruit. I think he's going to do really well. If I have a question on the Damian Washington and if he's the long-term answer for OU at this wide receiver coach position, it's going to be on the field development. And that's totally a guess, but I, I don't know, man. I'm operating on
1: field, and I think on the recruiting front, he's going to end up being pretty good. So I have a question about LaDamian Washington. You said he was a Shreveport kid. Was he in attendance at the 1999 Independence Bowl in the aftermath of which the vehicle you were in, Tyler McComas, was broken down on the side of the road? (laughs) No. And if he was, I don't want to
0: know that because I'm really rooting for LD Washington. I don't want to know, Parker, if he just drove by like the entire rest of uh, everyone in Shreveport that night and didn't help us on the side of the road during Y2K.
1: Uh, But Man, I've driven through Shreveport twice in the span of the last week. That's never any more enjoyable, Tyler. Never any more enjoyable. Thank the Lord that LaDamian Washington got out and is now on the coaching staff in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions, text line. One listener from the 918 asks, Did anyone else hear BV say Missouri yesterday? Yes. Teddy and I
0: not only addressed it on the show, but we ran the interview live last night at 5 o'clock, and we both like looked at each other when he said Missouri. It was the highlight of the press conference, in my opinion.
1: Oh, man. It makes me mm-hmm. – whenever I hear somebody say, say it like that, Missouri – It makes me think of the How I Met Your Mother episode where Barney Stinson is trying to play the nice southern guy. And he goes, (laughs) we're from East Westerton, Missouri. Uh, That's all I can Uh, think about.
0: Kendall says, Tyler is questioning his coaching ability, true or false? That's what you got out of that? Seriously, Kendall? I just said I'm really rooting for him, and I really like this addition on the staff. But we'll, we'll see how he develops. Uh, players at wide receiver, but yeah, I think ultimately he's going to be just fine. And if you listen to Brent Venables yesterday, it was cool. Um, Joe John Finley Parker is is really what it sounds like. He's the guy that really directed LD Washington to OU. And in Brent Venables' words yesterday at the press conference, once Brent really got to meet him and know what he was about, it sounds like he was. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. This kid is this kid's a real up and comer. We like him a lot.
1: Man, I I'm excited for LD Washington. And like here's the thing. At a certain point in time, you just you got to look to the future, right? And I think we're getting to about that point where everybody's turning the corner on the Kale Gundy thing. Yeah. And it's it's okay to acknowledge as Brent Venables did yesterday that the Oklahoma program without Kale Gundy is not as strong as the program with Kale Gundy. It's also okay to be amped up about what the next era, the post-Kale Gundy era, is going to look like. And I think L.D. Washington is a tremendous fit for this role at Oklahoma. I think it's something he's ready for. And from what we've seen of him at practice, the way he's handled himself over the course of his first six months on Oklahoma staff, it doesn't feel like the moment is going to be too big for him. And it also doesn't feel like he's going to have any issues connecting and bonding with his players because they have a ton of respect for him as well. That was another thing that Venables made sure to hit on last night as well as he emphasized, look, when we told the receivers that LD was going to be coaching them on a full-time basis, they were ecstatic. And to a certain extent, you're not going to come out and hear your head coach say anything other than that. But with Brent Venables... You can you can tell when he's sincere about something. You can tell when he means something, and he did with LD Washington uh, in that scenario and in that moment. Yeah, and it was
0: cool. Uh, T.J. Mo, he he came on with us yesterday, and he said, "You guys are gonna love him, all right. You, you guys are gonna love him." And he, he kind of went on about the story that we've we've told you guys a few times now about you know kind of his upbringing and the struggles and being the man of the house overnight essentially with some younger brothers and. You know, T.J. Moe, who is a Missouri kid, played his four-year career at Mizzou, said, I have never in my life rooted for OU football. But now that LD Washington is there, I guess I have to root for OU on Saturdays. And he even went as far to say that he hopes he's the offensive coordinator at Mizzou someday. So that's pretty high praise for a guy that made a lot of plays in Columbia. I'll take his word for it. I don't think it was just kind of you know, being nice or, you know, anything like that. He thinks – one of his ex-teammates thinks very highly of him and is like, hey, man, if if he's the OC at our alma mater someday, I think that that would be amazing. So it seems like the the people – and we're still learning about him. But the people, Parker, who have been around him for quite some time are – yeah, you guys got a hidden gym here. Watch out for this guy.
1: Yeah, well, and an, an, another thing that one listener just brought up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, if Cale, who played quarterback, can coach and develop running backs and receivers, then I feel confident that someone who actually played receiver can coach and develop receivers. Yeah, well, yeah. that's that's one thing LD Washington does have, is some firsthand authority in that matter. Not that kale Gundy didn't, but I would think it makes it easy to connect and... Uh, instruct your players, if you know the ins and outs of the position that they're playing on a first-hand basis as somebody who played the position for a long time, and LaDamian Washington has, and he's been around. If there's one thing you can say about the guy, he is well-traveled. Several stops in the NFL, several stops in other pro leagues, Uh, was a three-year letterman at Missouri, and this is a guy that, sure, it's his first job, at least in an on-field capacity at the FBS level. But you'd be more confident, and I think you are more confident, handing this role to him with his background than you would be handing the same role to your average GA. You know, we've had, here's another thing that
0: stuck out to me, and I didn't expect to hear his name yesterday. It had nothing to do with the Kale Gundy situation whatsoever. Now, we've redone our uh, studios inside the Brown O'Haver Studios at the Ref, and they look awesome. But do we need, like, some sort of an electronic sign to keep a tally of how many times consecutively Brent Venables will bring up Gavin Freeman when mentioning the wide receivers? I'm (laughs) I'm just saying, Parker. It it feels like for the entirety of the past six months, he cannot talk about the wide receivers at all without mentioning the true freshman walk-on, which has me and everyone else really, really excited. That a local kid
1: who's a walk-on
0: might get a chance to play as early as this year.
1: Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Gavin Freeman won't be a walk-on by the time he graduates. It's
0: just one man's oh, opinion yeah. there, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a hot take.
1: If that's the hottest
0: take we have all day, we're at a, we're at a bit of an issue there. Yeah, uh, like in, in a year from now, I don't even know if that's necessarily a hot take. But, man, he keeps – he must have had, and by all reports he did – An awesome summer and maybe already kind of, you know, making some big plays in training camp as well. Because he just keeps bringing up Gavin Freeman's name and he has no real reason to. He's not an incoming five-star wide receiver with all the hype around him. He's kind of a relative unknown with this recent recruiting class. The fact that he's bringing him up so much leads me to believe, Parker, he's got a chance here in the next three weeks to really kind of
1: solidify himself as a part of this offense. Yeah, and look, for a kid like that, I don't necessarily think anyone should have the expectation it happens in year one for him. But it is encouraging to know that he's headed in the right direction. It feels like we're hearing a ton of praise for this freshman wideout class as a whole, not just Gavin Freeman, but Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson. It's especially encouraging to hear good things about Nick Anderson because he missed so much of spring ball. You know, coming from a high school offense that didn't throw it a whole heck of a lot, there there are a lot of folks that understandably aren't really sure what they're going to get in Nick Anderson, what Oklahoma's going to get in Nick Anderson. So it is certainly encouraging, I would say more so because of the circumstances than it is with Gibson and Freeman, uh, to hear glowing reports and reviews of Nick Anderson's play thus far.
0: Uh, Peyton says, I'd be way more concerned if they elevated someone like Nick Basquin than L.D. Dang. Nick Basquin catching some flat there out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. uh, well, Matt Wells is there as well. So And, and he Brett did mention yesterday that Matt Wells is going to kind of be the, the assistant there for LaDamian Washington. So he's, he's going to be in good hands. Nick Basquin will, will be in that room as well. Hey, let me tell you where I'm at today, man. I am at Mitchell's Jewelry right here in Norman. And we're kicking off one of the biggest times of the year at Mitchell's Jewelry. It's the Antwerp Diamond Event. Are you kidding me? Today through Saturday at 5 p.m., the world's most beautiful diamonds are cut in the diamond rooms of Antwerp, Belgium, and they're going to bring you the diamonds from Antwerp all the way to Norman. No middleman means better selection and prices. All sizes and shapes are yours for the choosing. So this is where Oklahoma gets engaged but it's also where yours truly was a hero on his very first anniversary. That's right. I came to Mitchell's Jewelry just a couple of weeks ago. I bought my wife a beautiful necklace for a beautiful price, and uh, she, was, she was very, very happy with this election. And, hey, you guys know this. It's not like I have this great taste, right? I, I, I didn't know what I was doing walking in here. But they have a great sales staff that will help you out. They'll get you something that your wife, your girlfriend, fiancé, whoever is absolutely going to love. Trust me. Trust me on this one. Mitchell's Jewelry, this is where you want to be. If you're thinking about getting engaged, you got an anniversary coming up, Mitchell's Jewelry, walk through the doors. They're going to help you out. They're going to get you out with a really good prize. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mitchell's, that's for sure. All right, so opening segment of Locked In with McCombs and Thune. We'll be back next. It is The Ref right here on The Homeless Cedar Fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the home of fans. I'm at Mitchell's Jewelry today, 2201 West Main Street, where Oklahoma gets engaged. That's one of the cooler uh, lines that I've heard. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Gina Mitchell must have come up with that creative tag of where Oklahoma gets engaged. Mitchell's Jewelry, 2201 West Main Street. I'll be here until uh, 6 p.m., Already having a good time here, and uh, we'll talk to Kellen Manik coming up next hour at 3.50. He'll tell us a little bit more about what's going on here at Mitchell's Jewelry. So judging by the text line, Parker, and we mentioned Gavin Freeman, and I didn't steer the conversation towards this. You did not steer the conversations toward this, but somehow on the text line, the text line has now made it a Gavin Freeman, Cole Adams kind of a um, challenge between the two on who's going to have a better career.
1: Oh, boy. Man, they, they, they won't let the Cole Adams discourse die, will they?
0: No, they're not. Um, like this one hot take Freeman will have a better career than Cole Adams. 918, Gavin Freeman, greater than Cole Adams. David from Norman. Tyler, are you really surprised by VV's praise for Gavin Freeman? You and I both heard Teddy say he watched Gavin's film and Cole Adams' film, and that Gavin was the better wide receiver, and it wasn't even close. So not necessarily fair, but I feel like a lot of our listeners are prepared to compare the two careers as they move forward at both OU and Bama.
1: Oh, boy. Man, Mm -hmm. Cole Adams is a really good football player. Gavin Freeman is a really good football player. I understand that because of their circumstances, their upbringing, their home state, uh, both being Sooner State, uh, alumni, well, not alumni, but natives, uh, and because of the situation surrounding each of their respective recruitments, that's going to be an easy comparison to make in the years ahead. I I think they're different, though. I don't think they're necessarily cut from the exact same cloth. They're similar, sure, in that they're undersized guys with a ton of speed that are very complete receivers for dudes of their body type. Uh, but he, here's here's the best way I can put it. In my opinion, Cole Adams is the better receiver. I think Gavin Freeman is the better all-around weapon. That's the distinction that I'll make between those two. But again, very similar football players, and I do think they're both going to be successful at the collegiate level and could have a future at the professional level as well. Texas
0: just got another big time recruit, Cedric Baxter Jr., four star running back out of Orlando. I believe he is the uh, number 48 player overall nationally, number four running back. Um, was Texas just able to get into the state of Florida for Cedric Baxter, or are they still getting the arch Manning effects off of that commitment a couple of months ago?
1: Well, that and the Lambeau effect.
0: Well, <laughs> Bijan getting the Lambo, helping them out quite a bit, uh, even after a five and seven year. Jeez. I, just, I
1: I'm making a point not to get too deep into the weeds on this stuff, but it is much the Lambo effect with regard to Cedric Baxter, it is the, as it is the Arch effect, if I can put it that way.
0: Well, yeah, and, and you know that's exactly what they're telling. I mean, maybe they're telling everyone that they're recruiting right now, but certainly the running backs, right? Is well, I mean, Bijan got a Lambo. Sound, Lambo sounds good to you? Yeah, Lambo of Austin. You turn out to be a good player like Bijan, we'll probably give you a Lambo as well. So, yeah, Texas up to the number three overall recruiting class right now. Guys, it's the same story that it was a few months ago when Arch committed. It's the same story that it's always been. I don't care, man. I don't care if Texas ends up with the number one overall recruiting class. I don't care if they end up with the number 10 overall recruiting class. It don't matter. It's hardly ever mattered for UT. Until they start developing kids and having a level of consistency, I'll look at the number next to Texas name and recruiting and say, all right, prove it to me, man. Because for the past decade, during the decade of suck, and the decade of suck is now over 10 years old, doesn't matter to me, Parker. To me, it's still the same program until I see differently.
1: What do we? What's the term that we're going to adopt for the second decade of suck, Tyler? Because like you said, we're past the decade threshold at this point.
0: Well, we need to start thinking about that seriously because uh, they're rolling in the SEC. If you can't beat Kansas at home, you ain't ready to win at a high level in the SEC. So I think it's more likely that the decade of suck – combines into the uh duo decade of suck now that, that's just the, the first thing that popped in my mind I'll work on that Parker I'm gonna come up with something a little bit better but I have a feeling that we actually need to think seriously about this because I, I think it's gonna happen
1: yeah uh, it's so it's so funny to me because at this point with regard to uh the joke about Texas losing to Kansas at home all the Texas fans on social media are like get a get a better dunk this one's tired like nope this is this is the best dunk of all time really Like, it doesn't get much better than this.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. They got the number three overall class. They may finish higher than number three. Again, it don't matter. It's the University of Texas. I'll say the same thing for A&M. If A&M gets Malachi Nelson and they get Zach Branch and they end up with the top ten, top eight class and they they come up with that number one class in 22 and push for another top ten class this year, it don't matter because it's never mattered for those two schools. I'm not going to be concerned with it. But when we, um, when we talk about recruiting rankings, you were gone Thursday and Friday of last week. And on Thursday, I kind of took um, a little bit of a guess as to what I think the top five class is going to look like when we get to December. I had Bama one. I had Georgia two. I had Notre Dame three. I had OU four. And I had Texas five. A lot of things have happened since then. I would change that top five if I could do it today. But if I'm asking you, Parker, after that first signing day in December, what the top five looks like, what would be your best guess as to what the top five is going to be?
1: Well, I would agree with you in that I think Alabama and Georgia are going to be one and two. I believe that as we sit right now, I would keep Texas at number three. Uh, I think they still got a couple of big fish left that they're going to land. And, man, I I would be tempted to put Oklahoma at four. And I haven't crunched the numbers yet, so I'm kind of flying blind here. I feel like I'd still give the edge to Notre Dame for the number five slot, but I also I say that without clear knowledge of how the what I view as imminent decommitments of Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen uh, will affect that class,
0: which that means Notre Dame would lose their number one overall recruits in this class, and they would lose. I think Peyton Bowen is still the uh, third highest uh, commitment that they have right now. So I-, I think that that in itself, Parker, if both those things happen, and you call them imminent, so, you know, it could happen very soon, I think that could be the difference oh you finishing in the top five and Notre Dame not.
1: By the way, we already have an answer on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Tyler. It's the dynasty of suck.
0: Okay, good. Yes, thank you. See, you You just mention it, and the text line delivers. Decade of suck, part dough was good. Decade of suck, the second coming. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, a score is 20 years. We could use that. There's a lot of options, but I like the dynasty. And finally, Texas has some sort of a dynasty that they can claim, but it's not a dynasty that anyone would want to claim. It's not a dynasty of winning. It's a dynasty of being terrible, being
1: average for 20 years. Peyton asks on the Air Comfort Solution text line, Parker, what's the scuttlebutt on Anthony Evans in Georgia? Should we be worried yet? Uh, Here's what I'll say. There is some confidence in the Georgia camp regarding Anthony Evans. It's been that way for a while, though, and the best intel I have still suggests that Anthony Evans is going to be a sooner at the end of the day. Now, we're still two weeks from the finish line, and we've seen crazy things happen down the stretch in certain recruitments. I won't pretend like – Uh, It's a slam dunk for Anthony Evans to Oklahoma because uh, slam dunks, in the truest sense of the word, are few and far between. I think the Sooners got one coming up this Saturday in Jacoby Johnson. But it's an OU-Georgia battle. There's confidence coming from both sides. I lean Oklahoma right now. We'll see where I'm at in a week.
0: Uh, Let me
1: find this one asking
0: about who was the all-purpose running back from a Kansas high school that was compared to Sproles and Vaughn, is he a 22 or 23 recruit? They got to be talking about Dylan Edwards, right?
1: I would think so. Uh, speaking of no- speaking of Notre Dame, <laughs> that's where he's at now.
0: Yeah, just committed this past weekend. Committed to Kansas State, decommitted from Kansas State, committed to Notre Dame, who has the number one overall recruiting class right now. Uh, do we dunk on Kansas if they lose to Texas this year? Yes. <laughs> that, that, that's going to be amazing social media content when people make fun of losing, uh, of Kansas losing to Texas. One thing, Parker, I, I actually think that there's a like a really good chance that that game could be close. Because I think by that point in the year, Texas will have accumulated three or more losses. Like their race in the Big 12 will effectively be over. Kansas will smell blood in the water at home that day. Um, like, I, like, I'm not kidding. KU is actually getting better. I don't think that they're going to win six games and make a bowl game this year, but they're doing a good job up there. They're getting better. I think that that has a great chance of being another really close game that comes down to the final five minutes in the fourth. Oh
1: boy. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't we all love that Tyler? And I will say, look, we've talked about it before on this show. I really do believe strongly that Lance Leipold is the right guy for that job. And it's a hard job at this point. It is a hard job. I mentioned this at the end of last hour with Steely. There was a Twitter uh, highlight that circulated on my timeline yesterday of the Kansas-Nebraska game from 2007. I want to say Kansas won that game 69, shout-out Teddy Lehman, to nice. 31 over Nebraska. And watching that game, first off, Kansas was just an unstoppable force, that offense in particular, and that ball-hawking secondary that at that time featured to Talib and Chris Harris. And so that team – I, I, I struggled to believe what I was watching because it, it was 15 years. And, you know, I remember that, but it feels like a lifetime ago that Kansas was good at the sport of football. But they're a force in that clip, uh, in that game rundown against Nebraska. They're dominating on both sides of the football. And Cavisto Field is raucous, man. It looks like they're playing in an actual college football stadium rather than on a high school soccer field, man. I I I'd, I'd like to see Kansas get there again. I'd like it to. Was se- it was it was
0: 76 to 39 that day at Memorial Stadium in Kansas. KU number 8 KU beat Nebraska that day, 76-39. And I vaguely like remember this Parker that some Nebraska fans were like really upset with KU just like <laughs> keeping their foot on the gas that game. And just running up the score and them calling it. I don't think it was, like, the overwhelming majority of Nebraska fans, but there were definitely some. And it was like, dude, you guys were running up the score on everyone in the 90s. Spare me, Nebraska, okay? You're just embarrassed because you gave up 76 to Kansas
1: and Lawrence. That was year one for Bo Pelini, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. Or was it the last year for Bill Callahan? I think it was the last year for Bill Callahan. I think Polini's first year was 2008. Regardless, man, it was just bizarre to watch that clip and think, man, it was only, and I say only, but it was 15 years ago that Kansas received a vote as national champions. If you look at the final AP poll from the 2007 season, there was one AP voter that believed Kansas was the best college football team in the land.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was uh, Callahan's last year, by the way, as it should have been. If you give up 76 to Kansas while you're at Nebraska, guess what? You're going to get fired
1: at the end of the year. I think they that's closed, exactly happened with Bill Callahan. If I recall correctly, they closed that season with a rather ignominious loss to Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. And I, am, I remember watching Bill Callahan's press conference after that game got over and just knowing he knows, everybody knows, this dude isn't going to have a job tomorrow.
0: Yeah, they lost 65-51 to to Colorado, the game that you're referencing. So in their last three games, well, we were down the rabbit hole here, the 2007 Nebraska Cornhuskers, but their last three games of the year, they lost at Kansas 76-39. The next week they beat Kansas State 73-31. Last week of the year they lost to Colorado Sixty five to fifty one. Big
1: twelve football right there. God,
0: I bet the Nebraska fans were just beside themselves at having to watch that type of football uh in two thousand and seven. Woo, buddy. Times have uh not gotten much better. Well, at least they're only losing by six and seven points now, not losing. Sixty-five fifty-one or seventy-six thirty-nine. So I guess in some ways it has improved for Nebraska. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I'm at Mitchell's Jewelry right here in Norman, 2201 West Main Street. More to come next. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the home of Sooner fans. I'm live at Mitchell's Jewelry today for the Antwerp Diamond event, which starts today, it starts today, and it rolls through Saturday at 5 p.m. The world's most beautiful diamonds are cut in the diamond rooms of Antwerp, Belgium, and they're going to be right here in Norman. No middleman means better selection and prices. All sizes and shapes are yours for the choosing. So come by. It's a great time. One of the best times to come by Mitchell's Jewelry for their Antwerp Diamond event today through Saturday at 5 p.m. Uh, Jacoby Johnson going to announce on Saturday, still looking like that's going to be OU, four-star athlete out of Mustang, Oklahoma. Uh, I Really good basketball player as well. Jacoby can do it uh, both in football and basketball. But what was your reaction, Parker Thune, to uh, the meltdown on OrangeBloods.com with some source practice notes saying, yeah, Texas' offensive line is getting caved in and we're not really sure who the best quarterback on the team is.
1: Well, well, well. How the turntables, Jeff Ketchum. hmm You love to see it, right? You don't hate to see it. At
0: some point, Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card, someone at some point, Quinn Ewers needs to separate himself from the rest of the pack. It's not really happening right now. And like I said, their offensive line, who's been average now as long as the decade plus of suck has been going on in Austin, doesn't look like it's very good either. So, hey, teams have up and down days in training camp. I'm sure OU is going to have. An up and down day, if they haven't already. But this is not so flattering news from a team that some people are thinking are going to win the Big 12 Conference this year. Are Texas fans freaking out over this, or are they are they remaining
1: calm? Uh, It's hard to say, because you know there's like there's like two distinct camps of Texas fans, right? You've got the, the most of most of them are alarmists, and most of them will go over the top on any narrative. All right, they're the ones uh, pushing the off-season narrative that this is the year Texas is going to win double-digit games and be back in the college football playoff fund. Then there are those who are the realists. So I don't know who will prevail. I'm, I'm interested to see what those two camps look like in the aftermath of the contest that will take place on September 10th when Texas hosts Alabama because – I would imagine that a lot of the sunshine pumpers are going to find themselves shuttled over to the realists' camp with a great degree of expediency in the aftermath of that contest. Now, um, where? Hold on. Where what was? Where was I about to go? I was about to. Uh, I just completely lost my train of thought, Tyler. I was getting. Ready you were to, about
0: to. Th- 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 you were about to run down where some head coaches, first-year head coaches, are at in recruiting and make note of where Muleshoe is at compared to those other first-year head coaches when he gets the luxury of recruiting at the Mecca of college football. That's what it was, right?
1: That was not it, but I'm happy to go there uh-huh. because things are, uh, things are still not going fantastically for Ole Muleshoe. Well, I, and... all
0: Mule Shoe. Well, all I'm saying is I'm looking at some first year head coaches recruiting. Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame's got the number one overall class. Brian Kelly at LSU's got the number six overall class. Britt Vittables at OU's got the number seven class. Mario Cristobal's got the number nine class at Miami. And those are fine places to recruit. Those are great places to recruit Notre Dame, LSU, OU, and Miami. I'm just saying I was led to believe that anyone can recruit at USC. There's not a better place to recruit than USC. And I see that Lincoln is well behind four other first-year head coaches in this first full cycle of recruiting. And, in fact, even Billy Napier at Florida is right on his heels right now. So, interesting how that national narrative really isn't paying off right now.
1: Well, and the most compelling recruiting news coming out of SoCal right now is that Malachi Nelson and Zach Branch are visiting elsewhere not the headlines Ooh. you want if you're mule shooting. Mm.
0: They didn't say where, but that was not their last OV outside of USC,
1: correct? Really? Is that like no, they, is they, that what
0: you're No, is that what you're saying?
1: Uh That's well, what I'm asking. No, no, no. but but hey, I I would be surprised if they all of a sudden shut it down and don't visit anywhere else. Like, I get the feeling especially now that Texas A&M has gotten them on campus once, they're going to push to get them back on campus again. And there's one thing we know about the BMDs down there in College Station. They got a lot of money to throw around, Tyler. A lot of money.
0: Well, one of their assistant coaches told us that while he was on camera. So, yeah, of course. Do, do you think they gave Malachi Nelson and Zach Branch that same speech? We, you, see those, you see those right up there, those boxes? Yeah, those are a lot of people with a lot of money sit up there. They pay you to come play here. I'm sure maybe they got that speech, too
1: but this time maybe they actually held it off camera. Who knows? I think oh. this, is, this is probably the one instance where OU fans would actually not only be okay with it, but would actually be grateful to see AM drop a massive bag if it means Mule Shoe loses his two top commits. Yeah.
0: Um, Air Culver Solutions text line real quick before we hit a break. Peyton says, have you guys talked yet about how Venable said the guys are going to have the hardest 10 days of their lives – at the rugby fields. Parker and I haven't today. This is their, or this was, I'm going to guess practice is over by now. First full day in pads, and I love that, man. They know it's going to be the toughest 10 days of the, you know, entirety of the eight months thus far. Parker, I think that not only physically that gets you ready for the grind of the season, but I think it gives you a mental edge. Like, you just accomplished, you just got through the most intense summer you've ever had and the most intense training camp you've ever had. You're going to be better for that physically, sure. But the mental edge and the confidence that that gives you going into the season is worth almost as much as what you're going to gain physically, in my opinion.
1: Well, and it separates the men from the boys, right? Generally, in years past, once this team gets done at the rugby fields, a lot of these positional battles that we talk about over the first half of the month of August have started to set, like settle themselves, in essence, And not to say they're completely decided, but generally, once they're done at the rugby fields, we have a pretty good indication of who's going to start here and here and here. And we always get a couple curveballs when that first depth chart gets released. Bill Bedenboe is notorious for that. But generally, once these guys are done practicing for that 10-day span out at the rugby fields, you start to figure out, okay, this dude's legit, this dude's legit, this dude's got a way to go. The men separate themselves from the boys in this part of camp. Chase
0: in Orange County says, If Texas O-line is caving against its own defense, can you imagine what Alabama's front seven will do to that quarterback that has never started a game? They better have plenty of medical personnel available.
1: There's a very yeah, good Yeah, Will chance. Anderson coming off the edge. Oh, boy. There's a very good chance that Will Anderson is matched up against a true freshman when Alabama... <laughs> Comes to he's gonna be the
0: Heisman frontrunner after that game. Parker. Oh my!
1: Oh my gosh! There's a like there's a chance Anderson wreaks utter havoc on September 10th on the 40 acres. He will have multiple mm. sacks. He and may
0: he may say, have he
1: may have a lot of sacks in that game.
0: I I am not an Alabama fan in any stretch, but will I enjoy Alabama completely destroying Texas in week two? Oh oh yeah. You won't find me rooting for the Big 12 school that day. No, 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 no. I hope Alabama wins 48 nothing that day. I hope Alabama wins 56 nothing. Whatever. Just run up the score on those guys down in Austin. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. I'm at Mitchell's Jewelry right here in Norman, 2201 West Main Street for the Antwerp Diamond event. More to come next. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. I'm at Mitchell's Jewelry today in Norman, 2201 West Main Street. And, hey, if you're thinking about, you know, proposing, getting engaged, maybe looking around for a ring, maybe you got a wedding anniversary coming up here, like, you don't need to price around. I already did that for you guys. I did it a few weeks ago when I was looking for my first year anniversary gift. I had to get it right with my wife. So I priced around everywhere. And I'm genuinely telling you this, like, Mitchell's Jewelry, those were the best prices that I found. They had the best selection as well, and I was not disappointed. I was very, very happy. So was my wife. So if you've got a big moment coming up, you got a uh, special anniversary coming up, maybe you just want to get your wife a nice birthday gift, whatever, Mitchell's Jewelry can help you out. They have a great staff that can help you with the uh, perfect selection as well. Like my wife, she said, I want something dainty that's white gold. I don't know anything about that, and I told the staff here at Mitchell's, hey, I need something white gold that's dainty, and they picked something out, and she said, wow, you exceeded my expectations. I don't really know what that means, Parker, or if I should take that personally. She said, well, whatever I thought you were going to get, you exceeded my expectations. Maybe I should just take the <laughs> It's kind of
1: a double-edged sword, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Right. And I was like, Okay, yeah, I'll just kinda of take the compliment, but glad you like it. Hey Sweet. Tyler,
1: did you uh, did you see that uh, Mark Stoops is ready to throw hands with yes. John Calipari on social media? Yes,
0: no, I had this written down. So for those of you who don't know, a quick backstory. John Calipari, he's basically going over the eighties head for a new practice gym. And I I guess their practice gym situation is terrible. It had a leak in it recently. They had to cancel practice. It's not as good as it should be for U.K. basketball. They've upgraded baseball. They've upgraded football. They've upgraded all these sports. Coach Cal's like, I'll go raise the money myself, whatever. And I guess he just said, quote, this is a basketball school. Alabama is a football school. So is Georgia. No disrespect to our football team. I hope they win 10 games and go to bowls. But this is a basketball school. And Mark Stoops quote tweeted and said, Basketball school? I thought we competed in the SEC. Hashtag four straight postseason wins.
1: Oh, little St. Peter's
0: shade. Hello. This could get interesting, could it not? Huh. And I'm team Mark Stoops on this one. Let me just tell you. Oh, as
1: am I. Mark Stoops has done a better job as coach at the University of Kentucky, as far as football is concerned, than anybody in the history of that program save for Bear Bryant. And when that's the company you're in – you're doing one heck of a job, Tyler. Who did Kentucky lose to in the first
0: round last year? St. You Peter's. Remember? It was, that St. was St. a 15 seed, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. It was a 215 matchup. Mm, Coach Cal might want to win that 215 matchup in the first round. Just an idea before you go off saying that Kentucky's a basketball school and their football school doesn't deserve whatever. That's that's a tough look, and I love that. I love that Mark Stoops uh, clapped back at that one from Coach Cal. That's awesome. All right, that'll do it for Parker. That'll do it for locked in. The rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless leader fans.